Thanks for listening to Victory's podcast today. Connecting people to a life-changing relationship with Jesus is what we're all about. For more resources or to reach out to us, go to victorychristian.church. Y'all ready for the Bible? All right, Ephesians 5, verse 18 says, Don't get drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Would y'all say the Spirit? What I love is in our church like this, we don't have to just say the Spirit. We can go, the Spirit. Hallelujah. Ha! Um, Speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart. Did we just do that? Make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day and this opportunity, God, to come before you. And uh, we say today we're not here on our own merit, our own ability, or because we are good, but because you are good and faithful. And Lord, we celebrate you, Jesus. Thank you for coming to this earth. Thank you for paying for my sins. Thank you for a new life in you. Thank you for being good and caring. Thank you for the gracious way that you have been changing me and transforming me uh, since the day I received you, Lord. And I just say, God, you're worthy of it all today, worthy of our worship, worthy of our time. And we uh, just put ourselves before you, our gifts, our talents, our thoughts, our hearts, our finances, who we are. We put before you and say, God, you are worthy of it all today. And Lord, we pray, would you let each one of us hear from you by your Holy Spirit? Lord, I'm so um, excited about your ability to speak to every one of us. You know exactly where we are. You know exactly what we're walking through. And you can speak to each one of us. So Lord, our hearts are open. We declare that our hearts are open. And I pray, Father, for the leading and the empowerment of your spirit, God, to, sh- to share what's in your word. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Last week, um, I, I preached to you a message about how David had restored worship and how the tabernacle in the Old Testament, you'll have to listen to the, uh, to the message last week for all the context of what these, you know, tabernacle means and all that kind of stuff, but that the tabernacle was um, dismantled at, or uh, dismembered at that moment where the sacrifices were happening in one, t- one place, and David brought the Ark of the Covenant, the thing that represents the greatest place of God's presence, and he set up this tent to worship, and he put this Levitical priesthood into worship, and uh, and we talked about just worship, and I, I want to build on that today, and I want to talk about this place of worship, and when I talk about the place of worship, I want to tell you what I mean by it today, because there's kind of different definitions, and, there's, and they're all allowed, just like, you know, you go to the Oxford Dictionary, and there's different definitions. I'm talking about, when I'm talking about worship in this context, I'm talking about you honoring God intentionally with your voice, with your heart, with your actions. Yes, your work is worship, and yes, cutting your grass and keeping it cut is worship and everything. I'm not talking about that worship. I'm talking about your worship worship. Y'all follow me today? Like your, your intentional, I'm going to honor God with my lips, with my heart, with, with my attitude today. And I want to talk to you about that place of worship, which doesn't just happen here, Amen because it can happen in your car. I recommend when you're in your car, keep your eyes open when you're you know, worshiping in your car. It can happen in your household. It can house, happen on a roof. It can happen, on, like, feel like Dr. Seuss right now. Like, it can happen anywhere, but it's this declaration and this intentional thing that comes out of us. This is God. 
You are worthy to be worshipped. Amen. I want to talk to you about that place of worship because there's so many things that can happen in worship. And I'm going to admit to you today, I want to sell you on it a bit. Is that okay? I want, to, I want to tell you that there are things in worship that many of you have experienced, but there's maybe more there, and I'm going to show it to you in Scripture. I'm not making stuff up. I'm going to show you in Scripture. There's some things in worship for you that you and I both need and that bring glory and honor to God. The place of worship is a wonderful thing, and a whole lot goes on there more than just some singing. And so one of the things that happens um, in the place of worship, it, it is the place where you find one of the things that you were actually created for. You ever discover a gift in your life and you're like, by golly, I can do such and such, right? Like Jeremy and his woodworking skills, he's like a woodworking ninja back there. I mean, he can do so many things with wood. He brought to the men's retreat like these little blocks of wood and they were like making these things kind of thing. And I was like, I drew the pencil lines and I said, I'm out. I was like, <laughs> It ain't my thing. And Jeremy's such a good friend. He's like, it's okay, Pastor Mike. You don't have to do it. You, you can call my project lame. He was really cool. I wasn't that at all. Actually, it just wasn't my thing. But you are created for so many things. One of the things that I know that each and every single one of us with breath in our lungs, going back to the song today, right, is that we are created for worship. And that we have a God that is worthy of worship. You know, in Jesus' triumphal entry, when he was coming into Jerusalem for the very last week of his life before the cross, it says in Luke 19, that there was this massive celebration and worship that was happening. Luke 19, 38 says, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. The reason they were saying that is they were saying, you need to rebuke your disciples because they are worshiping you. They are praising you. They, no earthly person, no one should be receiving praise and worship like you're receiving this worship. And you know what Jesus says? I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. I love that. Another version says, if they don't praise them, the rocks will cry out and praise him. Why? Because, because God is worthy of our worship just because of who he is. I don't want you to think like God's up there going, oh, I'm so needy today. Like I just, I need worship. Come on, come on. Oh, make the song. Come on, come on. He's not a narcissist in, in, in heaven going, I need, I need. No, he's actually worthy of worship. And, and, and to challenge that thought, I'll tell you, we all worship something. Whether it's ourselves, whether it be, you know, you know, something in our life. Like, we are so creative for worship that if we don't worship him, we'll worship an idol, right? But so, so we can kind of get all that clutter out and go, he is worthy to be worshipped, right? They were declaring glory in the highest, and we get the opportunity. This is a get-to, not just a have-to right? To get to, not just a design to. We get to declare that He is great. We get to declare the faithfulness of God. We get to declare the goodness of God. We get to declare truths about who He is and His nature and create that atmosphere that says our God is worthy to be worshipped. And I'll tell you what, worship changes an atmosphere. I know none of y'all ever show up to church late, but if you've ever, if you've ever showed up to church late, 
again, funnier to me than it is to you. Um, if you've ever showed up to church, you're in the second song, the third song, and you walk in, and it's like, whoa, it almost feels like there's a cloud in the place. Like, it's like, whoa. Like, I just stepped into a place that something is going on, and, and, some, and someone is present here in this place, and his glory and his presence is in this place. I love how, how worship can create an atmosphere. One of the things we learned last week when we were looking into the Old Testament, and we were looking into what David did, so he put these Levites in place and he put Asaph over this tent of worship and he was directing them to go and do the worship. And it was their job. It was like their duty. Like when they woke up in the morning, they got their lunchbox and they headed off to work. We knew what they were going to do. They were going to worship God. And one of the things we saw in scripture is in 1 Peter 2.9, it talks about how we are a royal priesthood. Every believer, every follower of Christ gets the privilege of being a priest unto the Lord, one who can minister to the Lord. You don't need someone to do it for you. You don't need someone to just mail in your, your prayer, but you get the privilege of coming before God and worshiping Him yourself. That is such a great privilege, is it not? Amen. And it's a, it is a duty. It is something that we are made for and called to. And I like to think of duty as like a, it's a role that I get to fulfill for the Lord. I don't look at it as duty like, oh man, I got to do this thing. We get to do this thing. And I want to tell you today, if you feel like maybe I'm not familiar and maybe I don't, I don't feel like I'm worthy, you are walking through the same road that every worshiper has ever walked. Every worshiper, the enemy has told them, you shouldn't be coming before the Lord because you fill in the blank. And the devil's got plenty of reasons why to tell you why you shouldn't come before him. Can I tell you something? You have never worshiped God because of your goodness. You have never come on your own merit. You have always come because Jesus has made a way. Matter of fact, it says about that tabernacle system where there was that, that, um, that Ark of the Covenant. In that place, there was this curtain, and it says that when Jesus died, that that curtain was ripped open, representing the fact that the way into God's presence, the, the closest places of his presence, has been opened up for you and for me. We come on the basis of what Jesus did on a cross that we just honored, not on the basis of how good you've been this week. We get to. And it says in Hebrews, it says that we do it confidently. It doesn't, it doesn't say, well, I'm not sure. And you have to hear that because if you don't believe that truth, you are going to believe a lie and go, I shouldn't be here. And that's not the truth. Do you hear me today? That's just not the truth. The enemy says you're not good enough. You can tell him, you know what, you're actually right. But he is. And he's the one who gave me the entrance in to his presence. I want to encourage you like with your worship when it comes to your honor to God and your worship to God to just set in your heart, I want to grow in the sincerity of my worship. You know what I mean? You can sing a song, you can say a word, but then you can sing a song. I'm not talking about how loud you are. I'm talking about the sincerity of your heart. You know, there's sometimes when I tell my wife, hey, love you, babe, you know, like that's our, our greeting, love you, babe, you know, that kind of thing. And it's, I mean it, it's sincere. But there's sometimes when I look in her face and I go, I love you, babe. There's just a different sincerity, right? Let's make sure that our worship for God, that we have these moments of real sincerity. I love you, Father. 
I honor you, God. You are worthy of my, you know, just that pause. You are worthy of it, Lord. Let's grow in our depth of our worship to him. Because one of the things I want to show you in today, in, in Scripture today, is that there's more waiting for you in that place. If, if, we, if I can use the analogy today from last week's message about David's tent where he put the tabernacle and where they worshiped and where the presence was, there's more in that tent than you've probably even experienced yet. You know why? Because there's always more of God, right? There's more, more of Him. And I, I want to encourage you also to grow in your expression. And I know for some of us that's a challenge, and I'm not trying to like embarrass you or say, well, if you don't, then don't listen to any of those lies. Don't put but there's something about your expression wherever you are and just growing in your personal expression to the Lord. I remember the first time I was in a church service, and I was like, all right, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Song's good. It's strong. I feel like it's an appropriate time. I'm going to do it. And you know what's wild? It's nothing changed in the room. All the eyes did not all of a sudden go. In that moment, I was convinced. Oh my, you know. And then I, I, I went and I was like, you know what? Going bold. Worthy of it all. Oh, should we put our hands down? Like, I remember trying to like follow. Like, is, oh, this is a hands up moment. Okay, let's do a hands up. And then I realized, then I got to a point in my life where I was like, I don't care what any of y'all do. <laughs> I got to tell you, it's really nice. It's really nice. Like, whether it's jumping or leaping or laying on the floors, like, I really just don't care. Because you know who's in the room and who's worthy of it? It's him. Now, I don't think we should draw attention to ourselves and be about it. I think that's carnal. I, I think that. But I think there's a freedom that God brings in worship. And that freedom is a cooperation between you and him. Just practice at home, right? Do a little at home, right? It's like little sway, right? I want to remind you, I mentioned last week, like, I, I love Pittsburgh Steelers football. And I got to admit, I haven't had the shout this year that I normally get the shout because it, it, it's just a building here. And, um, and um, you know, you Redskins fans understand. You've been there for a while. Um, <laughs> oh, so not sorry. Um, but, um, you know, I think of my expression and excitement when the Pittsburgh Steelers do something really great. And I am determined that I am not going to be more excited for a sport on this earth than I am for my God. I'm just determined. And that's not so that you can lower your excitement about your sport. Don't now at home go, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep... No, like, like, there, it's just, there's times when it's okay to get loud. Amen? And if you don't want to get loud, we'll get loud for you. And you can just kind of amen with us. It's okay. Again, we're not trying to like coerce you. We're all trying to grow together, wherever that means. And we're not like taking score. Okay, there's a double hand right there. Yeah, there's a hold the baby right there. Oh, they got the swag. Anyhow, a lot of things happen in worship. One of the things that happens in worship is that we get revelation. When I say revelation, I mean those aha moments where we receive a revelation of God's truth. We receive a revelation of God's perspective on a matter. We receive God's wisdom. Have you ever had a time in your life where you needed God's wisdom? It was like a softball, right? Where you needed some perspective, 
Sometimes what happens is we check in with prayer. We go, Lord, here's what I need and that kind of thing. And it's sincere and it's good and that kind of thing. And then we check out and say, okay, I'm sure someone else doctor is going to come into this room and so I better get out. When really, you could just hang out for a while and spend some time with him and worship him. And we see one of these stories in Psalm 73. One of the things I love about Psalms is Psalms is all of these worship songs that have been brought together or cataloged for you. It's like 150 songs that were written, and a lot of them we think were probably written in that David's tent that we were talking about, like in this atmosphere of worship, and they are full of revelations about God. Does that make you want to read Psalms? Cool, because that's what I'm trying to do. They are full of revelations about God. And what I love is they're not all like nice and peasy, easy squeezy. Like a lot of them are like, oh man, heart-wrenching. And you read them and you go, they had real problems. I have real problems. And it connects with me. Psalm 73, there's this guy named Asaph. He was over that Levitical tent and he was, uh, worship, he was over that worship and he was one of the songwriters. You see a lot of his songs in the book of Psalms as well as you see a lot of David's songs in the book of Psalms. And I want to take you through um, what he's thinking. Now, I'm going to read a lot of Bible. Is that cool? Yeah. But I want to like, take you on the journey. It's like, what is the Bible telling us? And this happened in an atmosphere of worship. Psalm 73.1, Asaph writes, Surely God is good to Israel and to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet almost slip. Whoa, this is the worship leader saying I almost messed up. I nearly lost my foothold. For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles and their bodies are healthy and strong and they are free from common human burdens. They are not plagued with human uh, with, with human ills. Verse 12 says, this is what the wicked are like, always carefree, and they go on amassing wealth. They have money. Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure, and I have washed my hands in innocence. All day long I have been afflicted, and every morning brings new punishments. Now, do you hear what he's saying before we go to verse 15? Do you hear what he's saying? He's saying, I'm looking, and these folks are blessed. They don't have any problems, and they just seem so carefree. They, ha- they are having fun. They're going to better parties than I am. Their, their lives look better. Do you hear what he's saying? I envied the wicked. Verse 15, if I had spoken of that, I would have betrayed your children. When I tried to understand all this, I was deeply troubled till I entered the sanctuary of God. And then I understood their final destiny. Surely you've placed them on slippery ground and you cast them down to ruin and how suddenly are they destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. They're like a dream that one awakes when you arise, Lord. You will despise them as, as fantasies. And what happens is there's this revelation that happens when he's in there. He's oppressed by this thought, and he's thinking, maybe this ain't worth it. Maybe this lifestyle and maybe these choices just aren't worth it because they really look like they're having a good time. And he takes that into the presence. Wow. What if you were to take what was oppressing you, 
the question, the hard question you have, the difficulties, the, God, I see it this way, and then you say this way, and I, I don't really, what if we just took it into the presence and said, God, I don't understand, and we cry out to him. What I love about this is, then I understood. It was like this moment where clarity came in his heart and mind, and he saw it clearly, and he realized, I am envying people who are going to be destroyed. And, that, and he realized that what he is seeing is not actually the truth. It is a veil of joy. It is a veil of happiness. Sin is delightful for a moment, right? And he's just looking at the moment. And he's like, but where it leads? And God shows him, do you really want to go where they're going? Do you want your life to end up where their life is going to end up? And you don't have to live long to know, man, eating the consequences of your sin is horrible. I do not need any more consequences from my own sin in my own life. I want to honor God and I want to follow Him because I see the destruction it creates. I'm not just wanting to be good because I want Jesus to just be happy. He already loves me. I want it because I just don't want it to destroy other people's lives. But I love in this, it, one verse says, in our verse it says, this was it troubled me deeply. In another version, it says it was troublesome for me. Another version says it was too painful for me, like this thought. It was just so heavy. But the revelation came in the presence. The aha came in the sanctuary. Isn't that an interesting concept? We're running to God and finding that place of worship and presence. And you know, as you mature, you begin to realize you don't actually have to have all the answers all the time. Actually, if you have to have the answers all the time, you may be trying to be God rather than trusting there's a God who has all the answers. He's not trying to withhold everything to you, but you are finite and he is infinite. He is way smarter than all y'all, right? And so there's this trust place of coming into his presence and going, this is oppressive to me and yet I am going to worship. You know what this song doesn't say? He doesn't say, this is oppressive to me, and I ain't worshiping you again until you give me some answers. It doesn't say that. He worshiped despite the oppression. He worshiped despite the confusion. He said something in him said, you're worthy of this worship, and I am going to come to you, and I am going to worship you. And what God say is, let me just touch your mind a bit. And he went, I understand. My thinking was wrong. Thank you, God, for helping me see what you see. Y'all, there is so much that God can show us, but you've got to position yourself in a place to be shown. Now, the way revelation works is when God shows you something, it's always in agreement with his word. He will not contradict himself or violate himself. Does that make sense? He's not trying to confuse us and say, well, here's how it was, and now here's how it is. Like, he is consistent. And so you don't have to worry about that, and you don't have to worry about him contradicting his word. As a matter of fact, if it contradicts his word, you need to go, hmm, maybe that won't the Lord. Right? Because, right? you know, it's not just the Lord who can put a thought in your mind. Isaiah 61, um, fair warning, I'm going to preach long. Um, Isaiah, Isaiah 6, verse 1 says this, in the year of King, King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne. And the train of his robe filled the temple. 
Above him were seraphim with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet, and, they were, and with two they were flying, and they were calling to one another. Now, y'all realize, like, this is like a presence kind of revelation. Like, he is having a vision, an encounter with God. And the, so this, this seraphim is, is going around, and it's flying with the two wings, right? And he goes, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. That means separate holy, distinct, like, not, like sacred rather than regular. Our God is sacred. He is set apart, right? The whole earth is filled with his glory. And the sound of their voices, uh, the doorpost and the threshold shook in the temple, filled with smoke. And like any one reasonable person, the response was, woe to me, I cried out. I am ruined. Basically, Isaiah was like, I should not be here. Like, whoa, like a fear of the Lord came upon him. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people with unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand. I don't know about you, but I'd be able to like, run. That creature is coming after you with a hot coal. Run, right? He's probably just in shock, which had been taken with tongs from the altar With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and whom will go for us? And I said, Here I am. Send me. Let me tell you what's happening in the Scripture before I talk about what this means. Isaiah is a major prophet in the Old Testament. And he has this encounter with God and an encounter with God's presence. And in this encounter, he's like, God, you are so holy. You are so amazing. And I'm not good enough to be here. Anybody have that thought? We were just talking about that, right? It's like, I'm a man of unclean lips and I shouldn't be here. And in this vision, the seraphim grabs his coal and touches his lips and says, you're clean. It's obviously a vision. Otherwise, he'd be on the, crumbled on the ground crying, right? He's like, I'm clean. And now that he's like positionally like allowed to be there in his own mind before God, he hears them saying, whom shall we send? Like this cry from heaven of there's this word, there's this assignment, there's this thing that needs to happen in heaven. And there's this cry out, whom shall I send? And what's in Isaiah's heart? And what does God know in Isaiah's heart? Because he planted it in Isaiah's heart. Here I am, here I am, send me. Like those are like, revelations, right? It's like when you're in the presence of God and that person who annoys you so much at work and you just think the devil himself has sent that person to annoy you at work and you're in prayer and you're in worship and God gives you this moment and he goes, they're actually your assignment. They're not an assignment to buffet you. You're an assignment to show them Christ. And it changes the way you think all all of a sudden. And Isaiah was having this moment about his own calling before God, and it was his revelation in the presence of God. In the presence of God, you receive revelation. And it's always going to agree with God's truth. Number th- the next one is we receive relief from oppression and depression in the presence of worship or in the place of worship. Can I say that again? Yes. We could bottle that up. There is relief from oppression and depression in the presence of God. You can't get more practical than that. 
Let me show you in Scripture, Psalm 42, verse 1. It's interesting, I've been reading the Scripture a little bit differently than I used to. Verse 1 says, As the deer pants for the streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go to meet with God? I used to read that as like this kind of like virtuous, like, oh, I just can't wait to get in the presence, like the avid worshiper, like the eager beaver is how I used to read that. But when I read the whole scripture, I realize the next scripture, the next verse says, my tears have been my food day and night. No, this is a crying out to get with God because of a dryness and because of a a need and because of hurt in their own life. And you see it unpack here. Day and night while people say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I, I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise and, and um, the festival throng. It's this idea of I used to be in a better place. I used to be in a good mood. I used to love going. I used to love the worship. I, but verse five, why, my soul, are you so downcast? Y'all, this is in the Bible. Meaning, when you have that day and you are downcast and you are heavy, you are oppressed or depressed, you, you are not alone. There is scripture where people have faced these things and it made the book. That should be an encouragement to us. It's there to be words of life. It's there to say, yeah, you might feel broken, but there are other people who felt broken too, and there's words of life in there for you. There's solutions in there. People were being real and raw about what was going on in their life. Why so downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed in me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet, what? Praise Him. Oh, man. I'll tell you what. This is gold, and it's not my own gold. I'm sharing with you some gold, other people's gold. When you praise him in the low spot, that's a praise and an honor that is unlike all the others because you chose to praise him in the low spot. You chose to say, I will yet praise you. How valuable, how precious is that? It's like the the woman with the mite who comes and gives the last piece that she has. It's like, it's all I have, but I'm going to give it to you. It was worth so much more than something else. In, In that moment, when you choose to worship God, man, it is like precious incense. It is like that is worship. That is putting God before yourself. That is faith. That is saying, God, I'm going to praise you regardless of what I I feel. Put your hope in God for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan to the heights of Hermon to from Mount Mazar. Deep calls unto deep with the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. I told you I was going to read a lot of scripture, right? We're still going. Verse 8, by day the Lord directs his love at night his song is with me. A prayer to God Uh, the God of my life, I will say to my rock, why have you forgotten me? This is in scripture. Why must I go around mourning? This is in the Bible. Oppressed by the enemy, my bones suffer mortal agony. My foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why, my soul, are you so downcast? Why so disturbed in me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him. What was the place to take the oppression and the depression? The place to take him, take it was to the Lord. 
and to put your hope in God and to give him. You don't have to make it up. You don't have to make it insincere. You don't have to put on a show. You just have to give him what you can inside of you. And your healing will appear quickly. His grace will come upon you. He is so worthy of it. Worship is the safe place to be honest with God. It's the place where you can tell him what you really feel and what you're really walking through, and he is not intimidated by it. I remember once I was in a worship service, and um, I, I was just in this place. It was a really good, it was like a Friday night church worship service, and we had been there probably for a couple of hours, and it was just one of those, like I talked about, if you were to walk in, you go, whoa, there's something, something is going on here, and we're just worshiping. And I had this vision, and this vision was me and Jesus sitting at a table. Like, I like this vision. But we weren't sitting at the long ends of the table. We were sitting closer, like at the, sh- at the short sides, like, like it w- so that we were really close to each other. And there was plenty of food, but the food was to the side. It was just me looking at Jesus. And I was like, man, I really like this, this vision. And what I saw was a picture of me. I, I was, was like, I could t- tell I was feeling anxious, and I pulled my, my arms out from above the table, and I put my arms down, and they were all scratched up and like that. And Jesus, like, he never lost eye contact with me. And he just put his, took his hands, and he put them on my forearms, and they were healed. And I was just looking at it, and his eyes were perfect peace. And I knew, because this was my vision, and I knew it, it aligned with Scripture, what God was telling me is, you're anxious about a lot of things, but I got you. Keep your eyes on me. I got you. You're worried. You're frustrated. But this is simple. And he put his hands on me, and it was just gone, just like that. And I tell you, it, it, that little, that moment with God has ministered to me so many times over so many years of just, God, you've got me. And that came in a place of worship. And I knew it was scriptural. I knew it was God. I knew it was smarter than I was. I knew it wasn't pizza that I'd eaten earlier that day. I just knew it was the Lord. Worship is a place to go when you're oppressed and depressed. I want you to think for a moment, where do we normally go when we're oppressed and depressed? Right? There's so many places. The enemy has places for you. We have patterns. There's so many things that you can do and that kind of thing. But I want to tell you, go to him. If you don't even have the strength to worship him, just hit play on your Spotify or your CD or your tape or your 8-track or whatever you have. Hit play on something and let there be an atmosphere around you that that brings your heart and your mind to the Lord and just give him what you have in that place. I will tell you what, the devil, when he comes against your life with oppression, the last thing he wants to do is drive you to worship. And you want him to stop harassing you in it, Make your, make your response to what he does, running to God all the time, and whatever he's doing, he's going to have to back off and back up because that's not what he's trying to get you to do. It's a whole other message, but number, my last um, one that I want to talk to you about, and I told you I was going to go long, and thank you for the permission, and I love you guys, and, um, but sometimes you just have to like, go through the whole thing and not sell it short, and that's what I feel like I need to do. We learn our identity and God's knowledge of us in the place of worship. 
In other words, we come to a better understanding of who we are and what we are created for because we have revelation from a God who knows us perfectly and is our creator. Psalm 139 verse 1 says, You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. God knows you. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all of my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. But not only does he know you, verse 7, where can I go from your spirit? He's also there. He doesn't just know you. He is present. We can, where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say the darkness will hide me and the light will become night around me, even in darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day for the darkness is as light to you. He knows where you are. Verse 13, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. You know how the truth of, you know, your mom, your dad, like they know you at a level that other people don't know you? That goes to a whole nother level when it comes to him. He knows you and he loves you. We're afraid that if he really knows us, he'll reject us. He really knows you and he's pursuing you. I will praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you. I'm going to go to verse 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me. Lead me in the way everlasting. You know what? I can trust that he knows me. I can trust him with my anxious thoughts, and I can trust that he can lead me. All of this is happening in a context of worship. Abigail, will you come? I want to I um, share one, less con- one more concept with you that goes along with all this that will help packages, package it for you. When we think about the place of worship, and my heart today is to tell you, there might be more in the place of worship than you're experiencing. More answers, and more of, of Him, more of knowledge of Him than, than what you're experiencing. When I talk about like the freedom we receive from oppression, and when I talk about the revelation we receive, and when I talk about how we better understand our own identity in Him, worship is not intended to be a narcissistic thing where it's all about us. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to counterbalance that in just a moment. When I say it, it's not a narcissistic thing, in other words, a narciss, narcissism is like when everything is unreasonably about me all the time. But worship is also not intended to be the place of all self-abasement where it's all, you know, belittling myself before God and like, and like just, you know, it, it's only Him and like there's not, I can't even use the word me in a song or anything like that. Actually, there's a both and that's happening because we are humbling ourselves before God. But can I tell you that he cares about you and the conversation goes both ways. 
So we worship him and we honor him, but he also ministers to us. And it's okay that we sing about who he's made me to be. When I look at Psalm 139, it's all about David and God's knowledge of David. And that glorifies and honors God. It's not David's like, it's all about me. It's not about that. It's he knows me. And that comforts me and makes me want to get closer to him. And so there's this me and him that's both in our worship and this interaction, this conversation, this back and forth. Jesus said, I've come that you would have life. He didn't say, I came just so you could serve me. I came just so you could tell me how good I am. That's not God's heart. There's a relationship in this. There's a creation in it. And and it's... We can overanalyze and like get too far one way or too far one way. And it's just like, you know what? Just take it all in. Let your worship glorify and honor him and take your eyes off yourself at times and just say, you're worthy of it all. You are holy and you are good, right? But then there are other times when you go, you know what? I'm created in your image. And you know what? In my breath, out of my lungs, I'm going to worship you. And there's the both and of it. And you don't want to, we don't want to get narcissistic about it, but we also don't want to get to a place where he never can minister to you because what I see in Psalms is God cares about where you are. And he's not trying to make it about you, but he cares about you. And that tension is an art. It's not just a science. Some of us in our worship, we can't imagine, uh, we're so duty to him oriented that maybe we're not ready to receive from him. I'll tell you, he cares about you. He cares about where you are. There are times where you could be in the lowest point and he says, I want you to take your eyes off yourself and just give me your worship because that's what you need right now. And there are other times where he ministers to you like that vision that I had. The vision was about me, but it really the vision glorifies him, right? And so it's okay to have both. It's okay to have worship be life-giving and not treat it like it's a drug hit. Oh, I just, I just need my hit. I need my high. You understand what I'm saying? That's not what worship is. Do I feel different when I come to worship? Yeah. Do I come to worship so I can just feel something? No. I come to worship because he's worthy. Worthy of it all. Would you stand with me today? And I appreciate your permission, even though I didn't really ask, to preach long. Um, but sometimes you just like, I can't package it the way I would normally package it. And I don't want, I don't want to sell you short of what I believe I'm supposed to share with you. Here's what I want to pray for us today. God, grow my worship. Not, I want to compare myself to my neighbor or worry about something else or feel condemned. Don't listen to all that. I want to grow in my worship, in my closeness. I want my transition to heaven to be like, oh yeah, I've been ready for this. You ever met that person? Like when they're going to heaven, you're like, wow, it feels like you're practically there already. Right? Like, I just, I just want that transition someday to be just so easy. Like, like yeah, I'm just worshiping here, and then I'm there with him. And it's not a culture shock to me. Amen? Maybe that should be our, 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 our goal. Let heaven not be a culture shock to us. Amen? <laughs> right? You ever heard the joke, right? They're walking through the hallway and, like, all these different rooms, and, um, and they, they walk, go by one room, and they go, shh, shh, shh. 
And they go, the such and such denominations in there. I'm not going to say it because I don't pick on denominations. And they go, shh, shh, they think they're the only ones here. We're just going to kind of keep on going. I'm going to tell you, don't you use that joke and fill people in because we don't pick on people. We, uh, we, we honor them. Here's my prayer for us today. Let's grow in our worship. Let's grow in our experience in Him. He has answers for you that are in the place of His presence that maybe you haven't received in other places. And you know what? Even if you don't get an answer, because we don't go manipulate God, if you waste some time on God and waste some time on His presence, good call. Good call. It's not going to hurt you. Oh, I prayed too much today. Spent too much time in His presence today. Not going to happen. Let's pray. Father, God, I, I think about like worthy you are of worship and how much more we could give you. And that thought to me uh, just feels heavy. But God, I th- think about how good you are and how worthy you are and how I just, I just want to keep moving forward. I want to I give you more of me. I don't want to hold back. Um, I don't want to neglect the place of worship because you're so worthy of it. God, for those who it feels uh, maybe new or not as natural, God made their experience in just taking those steps forward in their worship with you. May it, Lord, uh, create a place of presence and may, may there be that aha moment where they go, actually, this actually feels like the most natural thing ever. Like I was actually made for this. Lord, may we worship you like you're worthy. May we glorify you like you're worthy. Would you just close your eyes for a moment? I'm just going to ask everyone, just raise your hands with your eyes closed, kind of like the safe way. Jesus, we love you. We worship you in this place and we give you glory and honor. Would you just thank him today? We thank you for being good. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for how good you are. And we do confess, God, if we don't praise you, the rocks will cry out and praise you. God, you are worthy of our worship. We thank you today that you love us so much more than we deserve. We thank you, God, that you are worthy of worship and honor and glory. And we say that you are good. And Lord, what we want revelation of is who you really are, not who we make you up to be, not who what others say you are, but we want to encounter you, the real and the living God, and to know you more and more and more. And we confess today that you are our answer to a broken world. You are our answer to a life, God, of, of brokenness around us, and yet you are so good. Lord, you are worthy of it all, and we give you our worship in this place. We love you, and we honor you, and we give you our worship today. May our worship in our cars and our worship in our homes and our worship in our offices, our worship in our, our, our yards and our neighborhoods and our worship in this place, Lord, may it just please you. May it please you and may your Holy Spirit during this week, may the answer be one of the times that we're going through something, may the answer be, let's just go to the presence of the Lord. Let's go to him today. We worship you and we honor you today, Jesus. And Lord, as we transition and as, um, even in here as we have a meal, we ask you to bless our, our time together, our meal together. We just say today, God, you are worthy. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. 
Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you'd like to know how you can give, go to victorychristian.church.com.